My name is Mariela Marin, like to be identified as Mariela, <laughs> and I use she, they, aya pronouns. I currently am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I am in the executive director at Community Counseling and Education Center. Additionally, I'm an adjunct professor at Antioch University in the Masters of Clinical Psychology program, and I also work with Pacifica Graduate Institute um, doing some consultation groups. How has the lack of in-person interactions affected children's mental health? You know, so we definitely know, um, you know, that we as humans, regardless of age, are social beings. We look for, we want, we enjoy, we thrive on connection. Uh, and I think that's especially true with children, primarily because that's what they've been used to pretty consistently. It's all about relying on others for support. It's all about relying on others for entertainment and fun and learning and growing. So while folks have been at home and it has provided opportunities for the family unit themselves, if the situation is positive for folks to, to get closer, it has created isolation from the various socialization groups that kids typically get to see. And then in the unfortunate cases where maybe there isn't a stable home environment or there's a lot going on, it can mean that the child is left to their own devices in terms of having to take care of themselves. And there's a lot of, you know, sort of pushing kids into adult type roles that typically they wouldn't have to. And that can lead, you know, certainly to all sorts of things like a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, some depression, you know, and kids wouldn't talk about it that, like that. They'd talk about feeling nervous and feeling sad and scared and uncomfortable and maybe angry. Um, and so we are seeing kids that are taking all of these pressures that typically get sort of spread out over time. And it's sort of been concentrated in this last year in ways that, that can be pretty overwhelming for a lot of kids. So that's what we're seeing in terms of kids showing up with a harder time sort of doing every day than they were doing before. There's been a nationwide surge in children's mental health crises during this pandemic. Have you seen an improvement in addressing and responding to these mental health crises? That's um, a good question. Yeah. So, you know, I think definitely at first, you know, obviously we all thought this was going to go a lot quicker than it did. Um, and I think we didn't we weren't too worried about kids, but as this has sort of stretched out for so long and we have seen the effects on kids, I think people have definitely sort of jumped into action. You know, agencies, especially here in Santa Barbara, I, I can't speak nationwide, but locally, agencies have definitely recognized the need, gotten together, talked about ways to create online groups for kids, shared best practices for, um, you know, what is the best way to do therapy with a child on, on a screen and young people. And certainly there are organizations that are working together to try to bring resources out into the community virtually so that more people have access. And so I think, you know, as folks are sort of realizing that we need to come together and pool resources, there has been more outreach that's been done to kids. But you know, in the end, this is also a really hard format to kids for kids to always have to rely on. So there's only so much you can do. But, you know, I think different ways that that some organizations have sort of figured out how to different types of online connections, not just talking, maybe play connections, dance connections, art connections. All of that has definitely been, I think, improved along the way over the last few months.
And I think that it's something that folks will continue to work on in the event that we go through these things again and again. Are there any warning signs of a crisis that a parent should be looking out for? Yeah, I think that any sort of marked change in a child or youth. And so what I mean by that is, you know, kids are going to have their good days and they're going to have their off days, just like adults. So a day here and there is not necessarily something that, that needs to be flagged as a, an absolute marker. But, you know, if over time there's a shift from, let's say, in personality, someone's typically happy-go-lucky and now they're sort of complaining about everything or you used to not be able to get them to stop talking at the dinner table long enough to eat, you know, a bite of their dinner. And now you can't really remember what their voice sounds like. They don't share anything at dinner. You know, those kinds of changes for sure. Kids who are also experiencing a shift in their sleeping patterns. So if you find that your child is suddenly sleeping for long hours and didn't typically and they're not a 13 year old boy. And I say that because that's my son. <laughs> uh, I know that his, his shift in sleeping um, has been part of development, but you know, we, we made sure to check that out. What was going on? What was the sleep about? Or it can be that the child doesn't sleep. Um, certainly if there are changes in the, a child's eating behaviors and just also, you know, noticing for things like, are they more secretive? Are they closing their doors to their room more often? Are they not sharing information when you ask them about what's happening, especially for them online, because, you know, they're being exposed to more things that we may not be always be tracking. So any sort of, you know, a lot of secretiveness or trying to sort of avoid connecting with you can, can also be a marker for sure. And I'm going to shift topics a little bit to focus more on the parents, you know, yeah. how has children staying at home affected the mental health of working mothers in the United States? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, you know, I mean, they go hand in hand because we know when we're living with someone, the way someone else is experiencing life and feeling can definitely impact the way we're feeling, you know, especially for working parents and, um, you know, a lot of single parents, single moms at home. I mean, just multiple things going on. There's financial stressors around sometimes missed work, sometimes reduced work. There is you know, the concerns about the child's well-being. So, you know, not knowing why are they feeling more sad? Why isn't my kid talking to me as much? Should I be doing something differently? So the pressures of parenting. So what's being seen is that a lot of parents are, you know, sort of being bogged down by a lot of stress and pressures. And then that is also compounding what may already be, you know, depression that, that has been lingering there around other issues. And so it's being at home highlights everything and sort of intensifies everything because there's there are fewer outs, fewer resources that can sort of come in and ease the tension a little bit. And so everything starts to feel even more acute and, and intense as you go forward. So, you know, what folks are seeing is that, again, because this has continued to drag on, I think a lot of us were kind of a mindset of, oh, I can do this for a few months. Yeah, it's good at first. It's kind of fun okay, I can do it a couple more months. And now we're at almost a year and we don't know when the end is. And that uncertainty is also very frustrating and scary. And so that keeps adding and it just builds and builds on top of these things. And when a parent and a caregiver is feeling that, especially someone who is a single parent and is home alone with, with children, you know, as parents, we don't want to put all of our stuff on our kids. And so you're carrying it all by yourself. Whereas if there is a partner at home, or if there is another adult family member, that can be a shared load. 
But when you're out there alone, you know, you're carrying that completely alone and you're not wanting to put that on your kids. And so there's that added, you know, it's another added step, another added pressure that sort of keeps just piling on. Do you have any tips to help relieve stress for working mothers? You know, and and I want to just sort of be realistic about the fact that they sound really easy to do, you know, when you say them out loud and they seem really simple. And so, and I don't want that to be an added pressure. Oh, you know, Mariela said, if I just do this, (laughs) I'll be fine. Um, And if I don't feel fine, then it's my fault. That's, that's not, you know, the reality. The reality is we can only try to do, make little changes here and there because this is such a big issue and there are so many things going on. So even if you can find one thing that makes you happier, that makes you a little bit lighter, you know, so for instance, my wife and I, we realized we were working at all hours, you know, just the most random of hours. So we've literally had to set timers on our phones. We have to keep each other accountable that we will stop at 530. And if for some reason we need to go longer, we have to make that plan ahead of time with each other so that we can support each other in that. But again, that's an example of where it's two folks. But if you have friends who could give you a call at a certain hour, if you have family members that could call in, even just to do a check-in to make sure that you were okay today, if there's any emergencies, if you need anything, you know, setting, talking to kids about, all right, here's the one chunk of time, 20 minutes that I need to be able to do just all these adult things where you get to do and let them do something that, you know, maybe you don't typically let them do during those 20 minutes so that you can have those for yourself. But reaching out for help, you know, not being ashamed of needing support. We all need support. Not hesitating, not waiting until the situation feels really dire, I think is an important thing. So as soon as you you feel like you need support, it's okay to reach out. And that might be an online group. It might be, you know, someone who can come and give you an hour of respite. And, or it might be, you know, the kids and I are going to have to figure out how we get outside for one hour every day. So you know, there's lots of little things that can be done. And I think if you put your energy into changing one small thing at a time, it's going to be a lot easier and a lot more successful than saying, I have to completely change the way I'm doing things because that often leads to failure and then just more frustration. If you're okay with sharing this, I wanted to ask, what has your personal experience been in both helping with these crises during this time or maybe even your own? You know, I mean, I think helping is one of those areas where, um, and especially in this, because we're all in it, you know, some degree and in some way, there's a, a real shared experience of, of a lot that's been going on for us. So helping has been a really, for me, a really positive outlet to be able to have somewhere to direct my energy that feels like it, it actually is supportive and somehow impacting people's daily experiences. And the reality is, is by being able to do that, that has helped my own experience of feeling sort of cut off and isolated and, you know, unsure of what's going to happen. But I think like everybody, and you know, what I have noticed just in helping folks is that there's been a lot of sort of high highs and low lows during this period. And I think that's really normal. And I've had to sort of learn to allow myself and, you know, worked on that with clients, just allowing ourselves to really rest, find ways to rest. Um, Even when the world is telling us we have to go, go, go you know, we don't actually have to go, go, go all the time. Um, Resting is part of who we are and who we get to be. And just sort of learning that and, you know, not judging ourselves for having these different feelings. Obviously, look at the bright side of things. But then some days I have to acknowledge, you know what? No, this is awful. I hate it. 
And it's okay that I'm sad and it's okay that I can barely get out of bed because that happens, you know, to me as well. So I think, you know, just sort of recognizing that this has been a, a universal experience has really helped me feel connected to others. And I'm hoping that having some place to sort of share and be supported has been helpful for others as well. But I think that's definitely something that can be done on a lot of different levels in therapy, outside of therapy, in social connections, in family connections. And I think it's something that we have to keep holding on to and keep learning to kind of finesse and, and make better and better in this type of situation.